the theme we've been running for the last four we- or two weeks and we've got this week and next week is um, Breaking Bad. And no one really likes dealing with the dirty, messy, yucky stuff. Um, it's never much fun. But it says, to be in the light as I am in the light. And so you go, let's, let's get it in the light. Let's talk about it. Let's deal with it. Let's not hide the way reality is, how things are, so that we can be in the light. It's a good place to be. It's, it's not a bad place to be. Okay, Breaking Bad. We started the first week looking at a fence. And, um, and if you haven't listened to the, uh, the, the um, podcast on a fence, I'd really encourage you to do that. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic one and... and uh, in fact, yeah, last week we then moved on to addiction. And this week, before we go on to this week's topic, um, I really want to do a little bit of groundwork. Now, it might be something that you're all completely, this is just a simple refresher, might be completely new to you, I don't know. But I think it's really important that we're all on the same page, that we're all kind of, we're all aware of the premise of what we're doing when we're talking about this stuff. And there are two big Christianese words but they're very significant words. Justification and sanctification. Now, as I said, these might be words that you're very familiar with. They might be new words to you, but they're really significant um, in terms of where we come to from um, our perspective of us and of God and what the gospel means. Justification is a work and gift of God. Sinners declared righteousness under the declared righteous under the law. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is the source of that justification, and by faith in Jesus, not by our works. And it's something that happens immediately. It's done. It's been mentioned a number of times this morning. It is done. It is finished. Now it's really important to understand justification, because as we've been praying and sharing this morning. This, this is something that's very significant. People's sense of self-worth and sense of value and whether they're good enough or not. This is like in a, in a court where the judge makes his declaration and he, and he makes his determination and his decision is final. Well, that, that is done. Justification, not by our own doing, not by our works, not by what we do, but through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, it is finished. It is complete. The other word, long Christianese word is sanctification. Now, this is an ongoing process. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in union with us. We're actually working together on sanctification. It's being set apart, submitted to God's will, resisting sin, seeking holiness and Christ-likeness. And it's important to know that it's a work in progress. So these two things are very distinct and very different to each other. And, um, and it's, it's important to know both of them because they're, they're fundamental to, um, to the gospel and to, to following Jesus. But it's also important to know the difference between them. I've always wrestled with remembering which one's which. That's always been my which one's which. One's which. Uh, the way I remember it now is justification is justice, is part of the word, to judge, to judgment, court of law, to decision. It's a decision that's made. Um, and it's a decision that I haven't made, it's a decision that God's made. Sanctification is more about the sanctuary, it's about 
being clean and pure and set apart. And there's, there's actually a beautiful dance between these two things. The, the justification is done. It's finished. You don't have to carry that burden anymore. You are free. There is freedom in the justification. But the beauty of that is that Jesus and God invested so much to get that justification because he valued the relationship with you. And that then brings us to the sanctification, which is let's work together. Let's, let's work this out. Let's, let's, let's live out that, that, the reason that you are justified. So, so there's a really important distinction between the two, but there's a really important harmony between the two as well. And the reason... Oh, actually, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. So where's Sam? Awesome guitar playing, Sam. See, there he is. If I was to buy Sam a new $8,000 Taylor guitar, um, Mayton. <laughs> it's a gift, Sam. I love you. I reckon you're awesome. Have, a, have the guitar. Now, Sam could leave that guitar on the shelf and he could not even bother tuning it. If he didn't do that, would I take the guitar off him? No, it's done. The gift is given. It's, there's, there's no, it's not conditional on whether he plays it or not. I've given him the gift. It was an expression of love to him. It's his. Now, it would be a bit of a waste if he did leave the guitar on the, on the shelf and didn't bother learning how to play it and, and mastering it and tuning it and working on it. So, so the, the ideal scenario is that not only does he accept that gift, but he actually lives out that gift. He, he recognises the significance of the guitar and plays it. So there's, there's another example. Bron, here we go. Materials and processes in manufacturing. <laughs> Seventh edition. Just what you wanted. There's going to be an exam on that. Um, and by the way, the, the, the pass rate is, it, to pass you have to get 100%. I'd really, you know, I think, I think you'd be all, well, I already know, you make some awesome products, um, leather goods and camping gear, um, and I'd really like you to do that in abundance. But you can't until you pass the exam. And the pass rate's 100%. But I've already set the exam for you, and you got an A+. Now, Bron's got a couple of options here. She's got it. She's got the pass. She's free to go and make her goods. But she can choose not to read the book at all if she wants to. Um, the, she's passed the exam. Done. Fantastic. But then the sanctification side of it, so that's the justification. She's got the A+. I've sat the exam for her. And you might go, hang on, that's not fair. No, it's not fair. God never said it was fair. If it was fair, he wouldn't have been on the cross. It's, it's by grace that he did that. He did it because it wasn't fair. Now, the, the thing is, Bron could go, well, you sat that exam for me because you thought it was so significant. I actually might look in this book and have a read. Maybe, maybe there's something about this that I should know about. There's this beautiful harmony between justification and sanctification. But there's something really, really important, and that is the justification came first. And that's what we're going to talk about today. 
Oh, firstly, um, Romans 6, 1 to 2 says, Well then, should we keep on singing so that God sinning so that God can show us more and more of this wonderful grace? Of course not. That'd be stupid. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So that is, the sin's been forgiven, but let's live it out as well. There's a beautiful harmony. Today we're looking at a bit of a tough topic. <laughs> Religious attitude comes under a bunch of different names. It doesn't have a single name. It's legalism, judgmentalism, spiritual elitism, uh, a spirit of religion. There's, there's a number of different names that, that cover this. A, a popular group of people that have been labelled with this is the, there's the Pharisees. They, uh, they wear this badge. And, um, and the reason I wanted to do the groundwork about justification and sanctification is because they're so significant in this area. What is a religious attitude? And it comes in many different flavours and guises. Feeling condemned, never feel good enough or, or act out of guilt or, or uh, duty. Your appearance, doing things in order to impress or be accepted by others. Stubbornness, being inflexible or resistant to change when change is appropriate. Perfectionism, things never being good enough. Pride in personal sacrifice, generosity or service. Hypocrisy, saying the right things but not actually doing them or trying to do them. Being ritualistic, insisting on following some cultural rules, traditions or rituals. Negativity, always seeing what is wrong. Competitive, measuring one's spirituality with others. And self-righteous, getting frustrated as others aren't like you. There's a, and, and it goes on, there's a whole pool of things and, and I've, I've put them down to a distorted perspective of God's truth. So they all have an element of truth to them. There's always some, some part of God that's been distorted. And, and if you look at Scripture, God hates being misrepresented. He really hates it when people say they're representing Him and yet, they have a twisted agenda. They've distorted the agenda for themselves for, for, for many reasons. And, um, and this is a really, this is a fantastic painting of, of how Jesus handled um, a situation where there was this sense of, of a religious attitude. In John 8, 1 to 11, it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the, ne the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. You can see their motive wasn't to do with the law of Moses at all. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more.
Now, it's a fascinating picture, and it, uh, it says a lot of things. Um, but the two things that Jesus said work back to what I told you before. I do not condemn you, justification. Go and sing no more, sanctification. He's got the picture. He's, he's showing her the picture. But what did he do first? I do not condemn you. He didn't say, go and sin no more, and then maybe I won't condemn you. He declared it there. It was done. I do not condemn you. I remember when, um, when I was growing up, this was probably my first confronting experience of um, a religious attitude. I was uh, in my church down in Caranborough, and this was cool back then. This, I, I found this last night in a cupboard. <laughs> I, I, this was cool. I was never cool. Okay. Um, and a friend of my older brother's came to church for the first time. And an elderly lady walked up to him just before the service was about to start. And she said, we do not wear hats in church. And he very embarrassedly took it off straight away. Um, and I was like, Wow. That's pretty full on. She doesn't even know him. And she's walked up to him. She's never met the guy before. And she decided that she was going to correct him. Now, if you read 1 Corinthians 11:7, it says, A man should not wear anything on his head when worshipping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. She was right. <laughs> so she was right. Um... But was she really right? Of course she wasn't, because she got it mixed up. She'd condemned the guy and didn't even know him. He didn't even know the Holy Spirit, he didn't know of God. He doesn't come under the sanctification. He's not by, judged by those rules. He doesn't, he's just here to check out the place because he's got a mate who, who's got something different about him. So, so she got the picture completely mixed up. And if we look at the woman at the well, it's very easy to go, oh, but hang on, isn't adultery wrong? What are you doing, Jesus? Are you, are you saying that adultery's okay? Didn't she break the law that, Moses, that God gave Moses? Did she? She did. But hang on, weren't others stoned for that crime? Is, is that fair on them? If they were stoned for that crime, how did she get out of it? But hang on, what sort of an example is she showing to those watching? Are you endorsing it? And, and well, hang on, what if she does it again? You've, you've let her go without you know, punishment and letting her do it again. You see, the spirit of religion or the, a religious attitude is very deceptive. And it's very important to realise that it's a very deceptive attitude to have. And, and those who... who um, and we all do it. Um, those who... Um, act out of a spirit of religion, don't know they're doing it. Um, and it makes it even more dangerous because you're doing it without knowing. When you talk about offence, people know when they're offended. Oh, don't worry, they, they'll, they'll tell you when they're offended. Um, and, and so you can go, well, you choose to be offended or you choose not to be offended and, and work through that. Um, when you talk about addictions, you can, you can bury it under the, you, know, you can hide it, but you know when you've got an addiction. 
when it comes to the, the spirit of offence, it's often something that you don't actually realise you're doing. You've got a twisted view of what God's truth is and you're coming out of a position that's actually, um, that's actually wrong, but you're don't, not aware of it. And that makes it very dangerous and a very effective distraction. Because if God wants to do something and he has his truth and his purpose, then to sidetrack you by thinking you're doing the right thing, but not. The Pharisees didn't think they were bad people. They thought they were following God the best way that they could. Um, Jesus tried to correct them in that. But they actually thought they were pleasing God through their actions and through trying to be as good as they can be. Um, they just had it wrong. Um, and, and even um, Satan tried to use this on Jesus when he was, you know, he's, he's out in the desert, has had 40 days in the desert fasting and praying. So he's pretty wrecked. And so Satan says to him, if you're the son of God, jump off oh, from the top of the highest point of the temple, go and jump off. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. It's like, you're in a pretty tough spot. Let me give you a bit of scripture to help you out here. But you see, Jesus actually knew where he stood. He knew where his strength was and he said, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So it's a, it's a massive distraction um, to what God wants to do. Um, and that's why we're talking about it today. Because it's something that, as a church, we don't want to be distracted by other things that, that aren't God's agenda. Um, we don't want to be going through the motions. We don't want to be faking it till we make it. Um, we want to be living lives that honour and glorify God and are, are part of His purposes. So the reason we're talking about this today is because it's deceptive and a distraction. And let's put it on the table and talk about it. It also has a massive flow-on effect. When people start believing rubbish like this, they start thinking they can't measure up. Praying for Lauren this morning. Where does someone get the idea, and I'm not talking about you, Lauren, but where does someone get the idea that they don't measure up? Who told them that? Where did they get that from? Have you ever felt like a failure or defeated or you've lost joy or peace of the Lord? Like, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? Who, who started it? Who perpetuated it? What have I done that, that said, you know, Kerry, I'm not so sure on this, I don't even know what it's called, scarf, <laughs> shawl, scarf, scarf, you know, should you be wearing that in church? Or I don't know. But you, how, do, how, does, how does people get this idea that they don't live up, they don't measure up? They're justified. It's a, it's a principle that's foundational to, to Christian belief. So we've got a bat for that. I do not condemn you. There is freedom in Christ. We've got a bat for that and make sure that when anyone gets the idea that they don't stand up, they feel condemned, they feel like they've lost the, that peace and joy that God gives them, say, no, it's yours. Francis Chan, in, uh, in his book, Crazy Love, talks about the um, parable of the sower. Um, and 
he makes a very interesting point. I'm not sure the parable of the sower is where the seed's cast out and um, some lands on the path, some lands in the rock, some lands in the weeds and some lands in good soil. And for different reasons, the plants don't grow as they should except for the one that lands in the good soil. And he says, don't assume you're the plant, the, 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 the good soil. Everyone goes, yeah, I know someone who's been gobbled up by those weeds. Yeah, I know that rocky path. Yeah, I've, I met someone like that. But me, I'm the good soil. You can't start from that premise. If you start from that premise, then you don't have the humility to be teachable and to grow and to learn and to identify these things. I mentioned it's a very deceptive spirit, a very deceptive attitude. So if it's deceptive, then tell me about it. I want to know. If I'm saying something and, and, and I, I, I need to know about that. Every time I send an email out to, to Catalyst, um, I get Tanya to read through it. I just, it's, I know my intention, I know what I'm trying to say, but I want to make sure that someone who's not in my head can read through it and just, and there's been occasion, oh, that word's a little bit, oh, a bit strong. So someone might take that the wrong way. And I don't want to get the sanctification because I want to, want to spur us on. We want, to, we want to go further and deeper. But I'm not saying that to judge you. I'm not saying that to, to condemn you or make you feel bad about yourself. I'm hopefully encouraging you, inspiring you to, to go on. But, but if I've said it in a way that makes you feel condemned, then I go, I want, I want to know about that. Don't think you're immune. Don't think that this is something that you've seen in other people, but you're not susceptible to it because we all are. We live in a world that likes to measure, likes to assess, to compare. Ah, that person's got a, it's got a role with the status. Therefore, they're more significant than the person who doesn't. Who says? Where do you find that in scripture? It's a lie. Oh, that person prays really well. I better not pray at all because I can't pray like that. Rubbish. Share your heart out. One word, one sentence, doesn't matter. It's a lie. And unfortunately, this church is not immune to that lie. Week in and week out, I talk to people who are wrestling with lies. I wrestle with those lies. I'm not Mark. I don't preach like Mark. How can I stand up here and you know, have a bunch of people looking at me saying, oh, gee, Mark's not up today. That's unfortunate. Bad luck. God's given me a word and I'm going to share it. <laughs> it's not about me, guys. Sorry. It became, became about me all of a sudden for a split second there. <laughs> but that's, here we go. There you go. There we go. No. <laughs> Uh, apparently the Charlotte Hornets don't even exist anymore. But anyway. Um, but it's something that we need to be proactive in. We need to keep each other accountable to. So how can we guard our hearts? The first thing is a question to ask yourself. There's, there's always going to be conflict. There's always going to be... Um, there's always going to be things that we wrestle with, things that you look at and you go, that's not right. That's not how it should be. I'm sorry to tell you, but this family is not perfect. I'm not perfect. It's not going to be right. There's going to be things that aren't right. 
So what do we do? Just bury it under the carpet because we don't want to be look like we're being religious and telling someone to fix them up. So, you know, the scripture says, you know, pull the log out of your own eye before you pull the speck out of your brother's. So let's just, do we bury it? Of course not. Should we just bottle it up? Not at all. As a family of God, we want to grow. We want to spur one another on. We do want to walk in the light. We want the Holy Spirit to continue His work in and through us. So the question's not, do I raise it or do I deal with issues that are challenging? It's how do I deal with them? How do I deal with my own sense of self-worth or, or, or lack of? How do I wrestle with that? And the first thing is to ask yourself, who do I represent? Galatians 2, 20 to 21 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Luke 9, 23 says, Then he, Jesus, said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. Sorry, stay on that one for a minute, Brad. Who do I represent? When I think about whether I'm worthy or not to stand up here, I'm thinking about myself. That's who I'm representing. And I've lost right there. I don't have it. It's all over. As soon as I'm representing myself and batting for myself, I can't cut it. I don't have it. I'm not Jesus. I've got a long way to go. But my old self has died and it's now Christ that I represent. I want to add a little, little part to this too. Who do I represent? Is it myself? And I want to add all my kind. I think sometimes we can maybe not be batting for selfish reasons directly, but indirectly we can. So I drive a Subaru, I'll stick up for Subaru drivers. Or I'll, in a, in a, and I want to say this very carefully, I'll bat for my, my wife or my kids when they might actually need some correction or some discipline or some support to change. So I might go in and, and say, defend them valiantly when actually there might be some, something that we need to work on. Or I might defend Catalyst to the hilt between you know, the best church in the world um, being me, but not me directly. I go, hang on, well, maybe there is something that that person's sharing that we might need to work on. So I think... When, when you look at who do I represent, there's only one person we represent, and that's Christ. It actually has some timber out there. So if you, wanna, if you don't have a cross, he's got a bunch of timber out. No, um, I noticed it this morning. I thought, thought I chuckled that he's, he can make you a cross if you want one. No, um, the, um, the, the important thing is that we've died to self. If you're entering a discussion, a debate, you're frustrated about something, if you stop and think and go, what am I frustrated about? Is it because I'm put out or Christ is put out? Because if I'm put out, I'll get over it. There'll be tomorrow. You know what? Someone's probably a bit put out with me. But if Christ is put out, then maybe we need to do something here. 
So the first question is, who do I represent when I have this issue? The second one is, what is my agenda? And this is where justification and sanctification is so important. It's awesome that we grow together. It's awesome that we spur each other on. It's awesome that the Spirit's doing work in people. But what he's doing in you, he may be doing something a little different in someone else. So the only, only, only place that you can start with your agenda is love. If you're not approaching a challenge or an issue with love, back away. Warning bells. There's something wrong here. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. It's love that is the initiator. So if there's things that we need to work on, and we do, think to yourself, who do I represent? And is, it, is love my motive? Is love my agenda? And the third thing is, what is God's truth? Because you can have love and you can represent Christ, but how can you represent Christ if you don't know what he's on about? You've got to, got to know your scripture. Jesus responded to Satan with scripture. He, you, can, you can easily pull out parts of scripture that say whatever you want. You can have any, um, I'm told the Ku Klux Klan actually has basis in scripture. It's like, that's sick. So it's about understanding what God's up to. But then also, I'd really encourage you to pray, to seek the Holy Spirit. If, you, if there's something that's churning within you, God, what's going on here? I think, I think I'm representing you. I think I'm having a loving attitude towards, towards this situation that I'm wrestling with. How do you see this? And then seek counsel. Chat to someone. Chat to someone you, you know is also wrestling with God's truth and, and trying to understand it. Let's spur one another on. This is, this is an awesome passage. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't want to get it around the wrong way and, and be judged ourselves or judge others and measure what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be a church, without getting the perspective right. Let's not bury it under the carpet and pretend it's not, that we're all under control and we're all perfect, but let's approach each other, let's approach issues. They can be as little as, gee, the seat I was sitting in was a bit hard to see today. Do you know what I mean? How did the seats get put out this morning? Who am I, who am I representing? Who am I batting for? Is it love? Is that, is that what, is that what I'm, I'm fighting for here? There's, there's, um, there might be something that we can do about it. And you know what? It'd be awesome if next week the seats are brilliant. 
but the agenda and, the, and the, who you're fighting for is the important part of the picture. What I've done is I've put together some little cards. So you've got some homework this week. It's really easy homework, it's okay. For those at school, it's not going to make your other homework disappear. And for those who aren't at school, it's not going to remind you of homework. So there's a card. On one side, it says, but God, oh sorry, it's from Romans 5, and it's verse 8 and 11. 9 and 10 are awesome, but they were too long. <laughs> see, see, now you, the, 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 the hidden agenda here is you're now going to read what 9 and 10 is, aren't you? Um, <laughs> tops and tails, that's right. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And then verse 11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So when you feel beat up, when you feel under the pump, when you feel like you don't have any joy, it's going to happen this week. It happens to all of us. When you feel like that, pull it out and read it. That's the truth. There's plenty more of it. I had no shortage of material for this morning's message. <laughs> the New Testament's oozing of truth like that. The whole, the whole Bible is. But, but pull it out. When you're having that battle, when you're having that thought, that, that wrestle when someone tells you you're not good enough, you don't measure up, pull it out and read it. Because that's the truth. That's the starting point. That's the foundation. Then... When you're having a wrestle with someone else, you flip the card over. And the, this passage is up there. So when you're finding someone else not measuring up, when they're frustrating you, when you're irritated, when things aren't right in order, look at the list and go, what can I work on here? Which one might I need to have a bit of extra boost from the Holy Spirit right now? And I guarantee you, you're going to need both sides. And this is just a little, little snapshot of what Scripture is. If we want to beat a religious spirit, a religious attitude, legalism, we've got to bat for each other. We've got to speak truth, we've got to know the truth, and we've got to love whether it costs or not. It's funny, I don't see pride on that list. <clears throat> and I, I reckon, for me personally, self-worth and, and value and all that stuff is often caught up in pride. I have my own self-esteem, my own sense of self-worth. And I don't know if you're like that, but for me to be teachable, for me to be able to grow, to, to stretch in the purposes that God has for me, I've got, to, I've got to let go. I've got to keep reminding myself and the Holy Spirit, if I listen, He's reminding me constantly. There's no shortage of the Holy Spirit reminding me of, of my value in Him. Um, but also that my value is in Him, not me. I've just got to keep listening. Let's pray.
Lord God, you have amazing plans and purposes for us. The reason you died on the cross wasn't just so that you could declare us righteous, Lord, but you could live life with us. You could live, we could live a life of purpose, a life of growing to know you, to love you, to shine your light out in this world. Lord, we don't want to just stop at justification, Lord. We don't want to just stop accepting the gift and giving up on, on the rest, Lord God, but we want to value that gift. We thank you so much for that gift, that freely given gift. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We don't work for it, Lord God. But we claim that, Lord, and we say we want to be your disciples. We want to live lives that day by day we grow and we learn. And Lord, we humble ourselves now and we say, teach us, reveal to us where we have a religious heart, Lord God. Lord, we won't take offence when someone comes to us and tells us, Lord, and shares with us, Lord, because we know where our, where our strength lies and we'll take that, Lord, and we'll work with it. Lord, we won't go to others and, and share anything with them unless, unless it's what you want us to do, Lord God, unless it's to love them and to encourage them and support them. Lord, transform us. Change us. Have your way in us, Lord God. We want to be the people that you fought so hard for, that you prepared to die for, Lord. We want to love you and we have lives that shine that to others, Lord God. Come and fill us afresh now, Lord. For those, Lord, that don't feel worthy, that don't have a joy that goes beyond their circumstances, that don't have a peace that goes beyond their situations, Lord, reveal yourself anew to them, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.